Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where our mission is to serve you and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. I want to talk about an opportunity that the marketplace in the United States has been crying out for for a couple of generations and is finally adopting to and where it could really be a benefit to you. Also, I want to talk about the cost issues with healthcare and two non-traditional players that could be a part of improving your health and lowering the costs that come out of your wallet, your wallet, for health care. But first, I want to talk about something I was talking with a friend of Grant's about, my teenage son, who is interested in becoming an electrician. And we were talking about various apprenticeship programs that are available where you get paid while you learn, first um, learning the skills, and they lead ultimately to, I guess at age 21, if you complete the cycle, the program, you become a licensed electrician. And it's one of the fields that has an aging workforce, just like uh, plumbing and HVAC. Those three all are suffering from an aging workforce having difficulty attracting younger workers and historically have had more or less in other countries less here the idea of paid apprenticeship programs well the idea of apprenticeships is something i've been so into for um for a long 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 time because we have this problem in the united states that is only magnified where employers are looking for people of certain skills and there are people who'd like a better job path, a potential career path, but they don't have the skills and the two never seem to meet. So apprenticeship programs are going to become routine and mainstream in the college and technical college setting where you will be able to enter into a combination of education and work. And, for example, with Grant's friend, there was a program for 
learning how to be an electrician, where you go to school, you work, and you earn $12 an hour while you're doing that. So instead of you paying money for the education, you're being paid because you're providing marketplace value as an assistant to an electrician as you learn, and then you're also learning in the classroom. I mean, this is so logical. And it goes back to something I've talked about for a good while, and it's the German influence on the state of South Carolina. Germany has long had young men and women enter the workforce after finishing their equivalent of high school as teenagers through apprenticeship programs, and they learn workplace skills. Well, for any of a number of reasons, I-85 through South Carolina is nicknamed the Autobahn because a critical mass of German manufacturers have clustered around each other in the area near Greenville, Spartanburg, South Carolina. And so there's a big, big German influence that changed how after high school education was done in the state of South Carolina. And so now there are these education programs where the the state school system says past the high school level, okay, what is it you need, Mr. or Ms. Employer? How many people do you need? What kind of training do they need? And so South Carolina makes available something that does the match game. And now around the United States, steadily more employment programs are being offered because employers are frightened about the shortage of qualified workers. And now they're actually stepping up to participate in programs that do what's happened in South Carolina around the country. So if you are a high schooler, you just finished high school, trying to figure it out, maybe your early 20s, there may well be a program that would appeal to you for many different types of training where you get paid for the training, you get paid while you're working, and you end up with a skill that provides a career path with, over time, really good pay. I think about how this is happening in so many fields. United Airlines has its own flight academy. JetBlue has the equivalent. And all the airlines facing severe shortages with an aging workforce of pilots and mechanics are all desperately setting up programs to train their next wave of pilots and mechanics and either provide a subsidized education, a free one, or some kind of path that involves pay through that process so that they have the skilled, trained workforce that they're going to need over the next two decades to deal with how the workforce is aging out and they need the new workers. And this is going to happen in industry after industry. I saw a shocking aircraft order by United of trainer aircraft for their flight school. They are so all in that they're spending big money not on planes that fly passengers, but on 
planes that train pilots. And that tells you how the mentality has shifted and the opportunities available to you in more and more fields have changed. Krista? This first question is from Ingrid in Connecticut. I was notified by Discover that my social security number was found on the dark web. I am freaking out. What should I do? My credit has been frozen, so I know that's good. I've not created an account on socialsecurity.gov as of yet, but now I'm afraid of my credit to do so. I love, love, love you. Thank you for all you do. And Ingrid is representative of several How people who wrote people. in about this. Yeah, you know, it's funny. There will be a certain topic that when I'm just out and about, people will ask me about, and I hadn't told you, people kept asking me about these notices from Discover. So what is the dark web? The dark web is essentially, uh, is an oversimplification, but it's basically message boards, discussion boards, where people buy and sell information on other people for purposes of identity theft or applying for credit or buying things as if they are someone else. And so that's essentially what the dark web is. And at this point, you take the Equifax data breach, which affected two-thirds of American adults whose social security numbers are out in the marketplace, and various other breaches that have happened, particularly those in medical environments. And you'd probably find that most of us are somewhere on the dark web. So what you've already done, Ingrid, is the right thing to do, and that is you have frozen your credit. Um, as far as having a My Social Security account, if you were to temporarily thaw your credit files, set up a My Social Security account, that would be a good idea because you want to monitor to make sure that your work credits are being posted properly each year because that's the only way you can make sure you get the Social Security benefit that you are supposed to receive later. And very, very few Americans have set up a My Social Security, particularly people under 40 who don't believe Social Security is ever going to exist when they get into their 60s, and it will, by the way. So, Ingrid, don't freak out about being in the dark web. Just know you have a lot of company. Almost all of us are probably on the dark web at this point with our Social Security numbers there. And that's why you do the credit freeze that you've already done. Patrick in New York says, my wife and I are fully enrolled in the Church of Roth IRA, but we've been fortunate enough to grow our income over the last year or so. It seems like we'll be very close to hitting the combined income limit of contributing to a Roth. Is it best practice just to do the back door up front, or should we contribute right to the Roth and just do a transfer at the end of the year if we exceed the limit? So, Patrick, this is, this is a tough call. What I recommend is you do your Roth, remember you can do your Roth as a look back. If you're right near the income limits, you can wait, which the income limit now for an individual is 129. And what is it for Let's a couple? See. We're going to give you the exact number in a second. But if you wait till 23 and do your 22, either Roth or uh, what's known as a non-deductible IRA, the doing the backdoor Roth, that would be the way to have the least disruption in your life because then you'd know your adjusted gross income if you're going to be okay. So it's 204000 for married couples, right. 129 for a single individual. 
So and that's adjusted gross AGI. Yeah. yeah. So there are things you can, you know, your AGI may come below that. Then you do the Roth early next year for this year. And that would be the safest way. And if you don't qualify, then you do the backdoor Roth. Now, Congress made a lot of noise for months that they were going to eliminate the backdoor Roth. And that has not happened. And it doesn't look like now it will happen this year. This is from Mark in Minnesota. Clark, I love your podcast. I don't understand the push for electric vehicles. The car batteries require charging. What is the source of the power? It seems the source is fossil fuels. So to power an EV, all one is doing is burning fossil fuels, just like gasoline-powered vehicles. I see no gain to an EV. Where am I wrong? So, Mark, the, um, to call you wrong is wrong. To say that I see this a little differently would be correct. So if I drive a gas engine car, 100% of the time, I'm burning fossil fuel. If I drive an electric vehicle, I'm using fossil fuels in most of the country less than half the time, and the percent keeps going down, down, down as more and more solar, wind, and hydro, and I consider nuclear to be a clean fuel too, as the energy supply mix keeps changing it means that we're powering these vehicles that run on electricity with cleaner sources than a gas engine vehicle, but there's more also. The technology of an ICE, an internal combustion engine, means that a huge percent of the fuel that is burned in the chamber is wasted and does not power the vehicle forward. In an electric vehicle, the electrons almost 100% go to powering the vehicle. That's why if you take the BTU's conversion of electricity versus a gas engine, typical electric vehicle averages around 112 miles per gallon equivalent. And it's only going up from here. The one that Krista drives is, I think, 133 mile per gallon equivalent. And she drives an electric SUV, where with a gas engine SUV, you're likely getting somewhere in the 20s per gallon. So the efficiency of an electric motor, an electric power plant, is so much greater than a gas engine vehicle that that's the other factor. And the source of electricity supply, not just in the United States but in the world, is going to steadily move from fossil fuels over time. We shouldn't rush it. Because if we do, we could end up with spot shortages and spikes in prices. The, just the price points of how much cheaper solar and wind are unsubsidized in most of the world versus fossil fuels is going to lead to a steady transition towards non-fossil fuel electricity here and around the world. And that's why I'm such a believer in it. I'll just say, also, I love driving them. They, I feel so much safer because of how responsive they are. I mean, it's really incredible. And like, if you're trying to pull out and, you know, a car starts coming at you, you can get out so much faster than we, like, because we have a gas car too. And the difference is unbelievable. And also not having to do gas, oil changes, repairs all the time. It's definitely, okay, so I mean, I, you know, they're more expensive, but they are coming down more and more coming into the marketplace. And, all right. So let me spill some dirt on Krista and her family. They, the first person who gets up in the morning 
gets the electric vehicle <laughs> and leaves the gas engine behind. Oh, yeah. Because everybody in the household, because you have three drivers at home, everybody wants to drive the electric. So whoever... Well, my son doesn't get it. Does not oh, get my car. No. You and Mike. So it's just whichever you or Mike gets to the garage That's first. True. And y'all haven't had any fist fights yet. No, 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 not okay. at all. <laughs> so I didn't even mention that electric vehicles are more fun to drive. But anyway, that's an issue for a different time. And that really is subject to a difference of opinion. There are people who love the vibration and noise and the gear shifting and all of that from gas engine vehicles. I love the sound of silence mm-hmm. from an electric vehicle. So coming up, I'm going to talk about how, I mean, it's just a fact, all the cost problems in healthcare, virtually 100% are because of the hospitals, not because of labs, not because of prescription drugs, certainly not because of doctors. And there are two non-traditional players that are gigantic, that are becoming a real threat to the hospital-based pricing system on healthcare, And I want to tell you how what they're doing could affect you. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There is a battle going on for the 20% of the U.S. economy that is money going to health care that is going on behind the scenes that so affects you and me. As we have so many of us now that have big out-of-pocket with the health coverage we have, that even if you have health insurance, you still face significant out-of-pocket. And more and more, the health plans are using a carrot and a stick, that if you go to a hospital-based facility, what comes out of your wallet is much higher than what it would be if you went to an alternative. Also, two of the nation's large employers, one the nation's largest private employer, are going all in on health care. The initial motivation for Amazon and Walmart was because of how much health care is costing them for their own employees But they both are going big time into providing health care to the general population. I talked before about Amazon's experimental Amazon Care, but it's doing so well for them that they're adding 20 metro areas in the United States. So I saw in Forbes, Amazon Care is already available in Seattle, Baltimore, Boston, Dallas, Austin, L.A., 
Washington, D.C. And this year, they're adding to a lot of the nation's largest metro areas. Walmart, as I've talked about, and I uh, did a TV thing on, Walmart is opening what are called the care clinics. And I went to visit one, and they the one I went to see offered pretty much everything from pediatric to dental to general uh, primary care. They offer mental health counseling, which was something I did not expect to see. But you know, one of the big gaps in medical coverage in the United States is for mental health. And a lot of physical health problems come out of people's mental health issues. I don't know why, I've never understood why people look at if you have a broken arm as something that just has to be fixed. But when it's something that is a mental or emotional issue, in our society, for some reason, we look at it like, oh, there's something wrong with you. I mean, no, it's an illness like any other, and it needs to be addressed. And unaddressed leads to other problems. But I digress because in addition to that, the care centers that Walmart's opening offer the labs and x-rays, optometry, hearing tests, any of a number of things. Walmart is in some of their strongest territories, Texas, Arkansas, where they're based, Georgia, one that I don't think of as big Walmart country, Illinois, but they're opening in a number of places with, again, what's so important. Think how many people might go to a care center who don't have health insurance. How many people might go to a minute clinic operated by CVS or any other standalone clinic who don't have health insurance? What do these places do? What does Walmart do? What does Minute Clinic do? They publish a price list. You know up front what it's going to cost. You know, hospitals hate transparency. The hospital systems don't want you to know what anything costs. They don't want you to think about comparison shopping. But the key thing is to treat something before it becomes something that you need a hospital in the first place. Primary care is the greatest weapon we have in the United States to improve Americans' health and to reduce our overall health care costs. But again, I'm talking about you, not the overall picture. So know that Amazon is steadily increasing the number of places where you can have either a virtual visit or an in-person. Walmart, market by market, adding these care centers that are full comprehensive wellness centers, if you will, to treat a variety of things that might ail you. And both of these companies didn't start this out of altruism, but the greatest capitalism is enlightened self-interest. Both companies benefit from having these facilities for their own workers and benefit from the scale that comes with treating the general public. And I want you to think about What's going on in the hospital sector? If you've never heard me explain this quick version. So what the hospitals are doing is they are buying up every part of medicine, especially primary care doctor practices and specialists. Why? 
Because what the hospital wants is they want self-referral. They want to create their own demand in their system and be able to boost their market share in the metro area exists. Hospitals don't want to dominate the country. Hospitals want to dominate by metro area. And they want to have pricing power. And they want to take more and more of the nation's wealth and have more and more of it come in. They're almost like a monster from a 1950s scary movie where they're trying to eat up the whole world. And yes, hospitals do amazing things and save people's lives. But that's not really the business they're in. The business they're in is grabbing as much of healthcare dollars as they can and raising the prices for the services they offer. And generally, what hospitals offer, if there's an alternative, particularly before you're non-emergent, are going to be much cheaper more personal, and maybe you'll be treated for something when it's a little thing rather than a big thing. Get to some questions now. This one's from Alan in Tennessee. I took an early retirement package from my employer during the pandemic, and I'm eligible to start my pension at 55, or I can wait, and the pension payout will increase by 4% each year. I don't need the monthly payout now, but with high inflation, should I consider taking it now and simply invest the money? How can I determine when to start my pension? So, Alan, this is where you take something that's a certainty and you turn it into an unknown. So a 4% return, that's not an increase each year. It's not like with Social Security where every year you delay, you get 8% more. But... Every year you can delay taking the pension and know you're guaranteeing yourself 4% more is really quite attractive. There are a number of people who would say, no, 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 go ahead and take the pension right away. Know that it's actuarially based and and the amount they're going to pay you if you take it at 55 versus 60, yeah, you're going to get... 20% more at 60 every check than you would at 55. But that's based on you ending up actuarially with the same amount of money down the road. Here's my thing. Okay, what I always worry about is that you live longer than the actuarial tables say. Human nature is we always worry that we'll live shorter than the actuarial tables say. So, That's why people take Social Security too soon, and that's why people tend to take pensions too soon. What you would look at is what kind of stock market returns might we expect over the years looking forward? And because the stock market has been above normal values, it means that returns go through a process known as reversion to mean, where the returns moving forward will be not as exciting as they've been over the last 15 years or 13 years. So if you look at what projections various financial houses are making on what likely returns are going to be over the next decade, you'll see that delaying taking the pension would be the safer, better choice because we're not going to see an average of 10% returns, not even close, 
over the next decade as we go through what's known as reversion to mean. This is from Dustin in Kentucky. Hi, Clark. A popular topic on your show is where should we keep our savings? I agree that online banking is usually the best place to find top of the market rates. Most of the time you point us to bank rate and its current results. What about T-Mobile? They pay 1% for all balances. If you're a phone customer, they pay 4% up to a $3,000 balance. Is this an unknown to Team Clark? Actually, no, Dustin. And I've talked about T-Mobile money uh, from when it first launched. And yes, it is a wonderful market incentive for people to have their cell service with T-Mobile is that you do earn just by breathing, you earn the 4% on your money. And so I'm glad that you mentioned it because I haven't talked about T-Mobile money in a long time. But yes, it's a really, really good idea. And while you're at it, since you're a T-Mobile customer, make sure you're signed up for T-Mobile Tuesdays so that you get the benefits of every Tuesday of some things are really nice that they offer on Tuesdays that are deals from other companies. Sometimes they're not so great, but I see over the course of a year as a T-Mobile customer, a number of things that I jump on that are available on T-Mobile Tuesdays. It's just a simple app you download. They verify you're a T-Mobile customer. And every Tuesday, you see what deals are available. From Frank in Florida, with so many stores asking to round off my purchase amount towards a donation, I'm reluctant since there's no proof of who it's going to or if the stores are even really donating. Any advice for unsuspecting shoppers or suspecting shoppers? Yeah, so stores do actually... Um, not there's never been a scandal I've heard of where a store, any chain, did not donate the money on a roundup to who they said they were going to. It's part of a store's imaging, and they're in all the literature for whatever charity, and it'll say, we received a donation of blah, 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 millions of dollars from this supermarket or this retail store or whatever, not really disclosing that it was the customers of that retailer or supermarket that actually gave the money. But it is a, um, it's part of the imaging for a retailer and feel confident that that money is going where they say it's going to go. But if you are not comfortable with that, say no and just on your own give to the charities that you believe in that you believe spend your money well, and then you know for certain it's going to that organization. And I want to thank you for listening to this episode. I also want to thank our hardworking employees and volunteers at our Team Clark Consumer Action Center. For the last 29 plus years, they answer your questions one-on-one for free, Monday through Friday, Eastern time zone, 10 in the morning till four in the afternoon. And you can talk with a member of Team Clark at 636-49-CLARK. Or you can see more info at clark.com slash CAC. 